Welcome. All right. Well, cool. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, to Energy Bites here with the Radis Dads, John Calfan and Bobby Nealon. What's good? Today we've got our guest, uh, Brian McDowell from Sabata. Yo. We've, Bobby and I have known Brian for quite a while now. Yeah, I was like, Urtech in Denver, I think so. I met you. Back the in last 2019. Yeah, not yeah. this past one. But. Yeah, not the last, most recent one, 2019. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, you were at Discovery. Well, the RDS, I think. Yeah, when yeah, I was we were at Discovery, RDS, so yeah. probably going back to even 2018. Yeah. Yeah, whenever that, 2019, I think. Yeah. That was my last year at yeah. RDS. I'm glad to, to have you. Have yeah, you I'm excited. Brian's, Brian's had a uh, fun traveling schedule doing doing his <laughs> yeah. his log thing, so we'll get into that here in a 100%. minute. But just jump in, you know, tell us a little bit, you know, about yourself, where you grew up, kind of... Uh, you know, what you studied, how you kind of got into the energy space in general, and then uh, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up in Brock, Texas, a little tiny town west of about 30, 40 minutes west of Fort Worth. Graduated uh, with 38 people, no post office, no football team, none, nothing like that. Um, real small. My dad worked on the cement side uh, working for a, a centralizer company. Was originally out of Weatherford, and now they're out of Mineral Wells, and then they went international. Um, but yeah, uh, did undergrad at AM for geology, graduated out a semester early there, got an internship working for QEP um, in Oklahoma City, got into school of mines for grad school, started in geology master's there, got screwed on funding, so I kind of pivoted towards an engineering degree. Uh, long story <laughs> short, I did a double master's in petroleum engineering for a while and I was working part-time at Cimerex and New Ventures. Finished the master's in 2018 in petroleum, uh, converted my geology master's to a PhD in, I don't know, 2014, 2015. And I've been trying to finish that thing ever since. So my <laughs> usual joke is that I've been four months from graduation for five years now. But this time I mean it. I'm actually going to, I've got to finish it now because now my classes starting to expire. And you got a dissertation going on everything? Or what's that? You got dissertation working and everything? Yeah. Well, I've got like, so mine's did it now because it's through the geology department. You have to do three peer-reviewed articles for okay. PhD. Uh I submitted the first one and funny enough, it actually, it, funny enough, it got rejected because they said it wasn't possible and we started a company off of it. So I'm, I'm going to frame that letter. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, does starting a Burn. company centered around like geology data like yeah, count? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny. So, um, but yeah, I just got to, I just got to draft. The work is essentially done. I just got to draft up the writing and defend it. So it's not that big of a deal, but like since starting the company and everything has yeah. been You're a little busy. Yeah. Just do, yeah. <laughs> chat GPT, write me a dissertation. 100%. I definitely <laughs> yeah. thought about it for sure. <laughs> you got to, I mean, I have to think that's probably one of the most like disruptive industries that ai has just completely screwed is the well they already slow to innovate anyways and it's like well i mean you know like even when i was in school and stuff they started rolling out the like you know uh plagiarism checkers and all those kind of things and stuff but now it's like it's original content is it (laughs) well you know (laughs) what's interesting (laughs) so my aunt my aunt uh she works overseas for like uh for like american schools and she helps like do college entrance stuff right and during the summer, she like works on admissions applications right. for like universities. And what's really interesting is they're like, yeah, they're up in arms because people are using the chat GPT uh, platform or service to uh, do their, uh, whatchamacallit, like your little yeah, essays. Like, hey, this is why my life and blah, blah. And I was like, look, I was like, if it's that easy to fool people, then like how much value does this really add, right? If yeah. you can really make <laughs> that good of an essay, 
based off of just some random AI that's mm-hmm. out there, how much of that actually really matters then, right? I don't know, kind of come no, from the other I, side. It's not yeah. a very popular opinion, but like, look, you know, like. Well, I mean, it's the same, it's the same concept as, you know, uh, either uh, exalting or uh, discouraging someone when they interview and they, someone asks them the question and they say they'll, they'll Google it or they'll look yeah, it up yeah. on Stack Overflow. It's like, well, if in the real world, those tools are available to you. Oh, so yeah. why wouldn't you leverage them I to used, some extent? You know, like. Yeah, I, I use it to write Python and SQL scripts oh, yeah. already like yeah. almost every single day now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for 20 bucks a month, it's a no brainer. I mean, <laughs> you, honestly. Well, that, are, you, are you using GitHub Copilot or no? No, I'm not that fancy. Yeah. <laughs> you, sh- you need to, you know, do you use VS Code at all or no? Okay. No, dude, I'm like full on like blue collar data science. I mean, essentially. Okay. Excel, Spotfire, SQL, Python, and that's about. Well, I'm it. saying using Python within, like, as an IDE. No, I just, well, honestly, I do everything through Jupyter Notebooks. Like, I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of people cringing well, right now, but whatever. And <laughs> you can use Jupyter Notebooks within VS Code. We should talk some. I don't even know what that is, to be honest. VS Code is just like a code editor. It's Microsoft's uh, IDE, yeah. but it can you can, you can use anything, in Python it, R or whatever. But like then, SQL. but you can have GitHub Copilot worked into it. Okay, and so like you can write a comment. And it will write the code for you. Oh, okay. Like, but it, or it'll autocomplete as you're writing, say a, a request, like a okay. get request, and with the request, it'll basically write out what it thinks you want. Okay. Like, and use your credentials and all that kind of. Stuff. Huh. Okay. Cool. Um, but you know, I don't want to go too, too yeah, far no, down that rabbit hole. But that, that's kind of why we're here. But nonetheless, no, like, yeah, for sure. You know, well, I want to focus more on what you do well. And then, yeah. And out of everybody that y'all, or at least from what I've seen, y'all have had come through here, I'm probably the least data science. I work with a lot <clears> of data, but I'm not really a data scientist, right? Yeah, but so. I think some of what you're going to talk about is probably the most applicable to who we think yeah, our target I'm audience is going to be, though, ground. too. So, yeah. like, 100%. there's that, too. No, that's, yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to do this is there's that, you know, uh, citizen data scientists so to speak in a lot <laughs> yeah. of oil and gas companies <laughs> yeah. and energy companies oh, right yeah. and so it's just one of those things it's like we're engineers we understand data and and generally math and stuff and we like to solve problems so <laughs> data and python end up being where a lot of us go right yeah so let's let's get into uh just kind of when you graduated and got into the workforce kind of what you started off doing and kind of evolved into where you're at today yeah so i kind of so because i got the geoengineering background i haven't i've had a really weird work history i was in grad school forever right so i worked a lot of internships i don't put internships in air quotes here because some of these things is more like full-time work and they just paid me as an intern Mm -hmm. but um worked as a geologist mostly on the geology side done a lot of uh was mostly exploration and then some development work like i specialize like siliciclastic stratigraphy especially like western uh western interior basin so a lot of that cretaceous stuff you see in like the peon i worked the peons from a phd but you know peons uena powder river basin all that kind of it's all similar stuff um and then the reservoir on my engineering side was mostly reservoir did my master's in nmr uh which i really haven't used a whole lot since um that was that was a whole story in itself what does that mean for people who don't so nmr nuclear magnetic resonance so it's effectively mri uh right so mri essentially you put your, your body into this big huge magnet they hit you with some other electromagnetic pulses and then how the signal decays um they make an image out of it well in the oil field we don't do the imaging process really we just look at the bulk signal decay and that gives us an idea of porosity kind of permeability the fluids that are in there saturation stuff like that so um I did, we did some pretty cool stuff. I actually worked at the chemistry department. So technically I could have gotten an active master's 
chemistry. in chemistry actually <laughs> um instead but yeah it was an interesting project i learned a lot but uh yeah so but that whole time i was doing my double graduate degrees i was working downtown did a uh, downtown denver so i was at school mines um worked for qep for about i don't know six eight months doing part-time always worked the summers doing internships did two at devon one at xco whatever i was at simrex for almost two years mostly in new ventures and a couple other things but always flipped back and forth between geology and engineering yeah which has been kind of wild because now like yeah. I've got a network, a pretty big network on both sides and I forget who I'm talking to half the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, cause I can sit here and talk and I'm a little rusty now since I've been on the server side, essentially sit here and talk like hardcore sequence stratigraphy with folks. And then like two seconds later, talk about why someone's pressure transient analysis is crap. Yeah. <laughs> I forget which room I'm in. So, and then, yeah, I just started kind of doing the data stuff along the way. Cause I was always kind of, because of that, I always kind of got stuck in the room being the integrator. Well, when you're the integrator, like right. really the translator yep. really is what it comes down to. Once you translate, then you want to integrate. It's like, oh, <laughs> well, you need to see it this way or that way. And then just kind of naturally kind of yeah. go towards the data and side. Data is that common language almost. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And so, you know, a lot of stuff like what we're doing now, like pressures and temperatures and, you know, porosity and all that stuff. I mean, those there's a lot of shades of gray between the geoscientists yeah. and especially reservoir engineering to begin with. Um, and so, yeah, so the data, like you said, is just kind of the natural bridge between yeah. everything. Well, so I think it's the common language. Yeah. When we first met, you had been working on some like frack interference stuff that you'd been yeah. doing. Right. And so like, just talk a little bit about some of that. Cause I know, I mean, I know the derivatives of that and obviously that space has been kind of evolving over the last I don't know, five, 10 years, but like, yeah, I feel like that was the, to me, that was like, oh, this guy's a geo, but he actually knows data as well you yeah. know like not just geodata right it's it's applicable to the the operations and stuff that are going on so that i always thought that was kind of an interesting intro when we first met i was like who is this guy yeah. <laughs> right? like, so when i was at simrex or it's our coterra now when i was at simrex i worked in new ventures i was just a, a an intern or whatever but worked a lot of appalachia stuff worked rockies a little bit too um, mostly was kind of doing exploration stuff. I went from there, my old boss, he left Simrex and went to Discovery Natural Resources in Denver, became the, I forget his title, it was like VP of exploration or something over there. I eventually left Simrex. They want to be going to geology role. I want to do more engineering, followed him over there and kind of rose up the ranks from a, an intern to the technical, actually, I think the first technical advisor of that company over the next year and a half. So when I, I kind of going through there, what I start, what we really started to do, we were at black oil, some all black oil reservoirs out Reagan County, kind of Southeast Midland Basin, not really crappy rock, but definitely not 60,000 acre uh, acreage either. And so my pitch and my bosses at the time who actually works with me still um, was like, Hey, this isn't the biggest moneymaker here. We're going to have to do this right. The first time, right? If you're in like the middle of the Delaware, you can get away with a lot of stuff and you're still going to make money, right? If you're in Great Rock, it's, yeah. it's, I'm not going to say it's hard to lose money, but it's a lot more difficult. Doesn't, doesn't hurt. Yeah. yeah. And so part of this is like, we, they were still really early on the development stuff, had a lot of parent wells were starting infilling, had a lot, we were starting to get more and more issues. And so I kind of led the charge on first, we we're doing reservoir simulation or rate transit analysis, some simple stuff where they had never really done before. And then we kind of moved it into reservoir simulation and that worked out pretty well. Uh, but then it's like, well, we just don't have enough wells for this. We we know that there's probably some interference problems, but we don't know why. And we couldn't observe it. We did some um, tests. We had Reveal Energy come in and yep. did some stuff. They 
pretty much did a job with everybody back sure. in 2017, mm-hmm. 2018. We did one too. Um, and they had some interesting stuff, but I'm a very much a fundamentals guy. And so I was just looking at the raw pressures. Like, I think we can pull more out of this than what yeah. some of these models are. And so that's what we started. Um, we were already starting to put bottom hole gauges in all of our horizontals because of the rate transient analysis and the reservoir simulation. Were those real time bottom hole or is that? No, no, well, I mean, there's not much of that out there, but I mean, it's expensive. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't real time, but we we're getting it every day. I mean, so we're acquiring okay. it every 15 minutes, I think, and then we get the it pushed out to the databases at the end of every day. Okay. So, um, I mean, good enough for what we were doing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's as real time as I was. It, it wasn't yeah. a bomb. A, well, no, no. Let no, me 100%. rephrase that yeah, for people who don't. At know the end of a defect, like you get a bottom hole right. rage, and you've know, got thirty days worth of data. This was oh, like yeah. you were getting chunks of it, you yeah, know, on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah, on every twenty-four hours. It wasn't just to <clears throat> go set the gauge down in the well yeah. and record and then gauge, pull yeah. it back up. And it was a big push because a lot of time uh, early on, they're like, "Well, I don't think we really need this." Because mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing: it's like well interference and frackets was a hugely dirty word. <laughs> yeah, Co- I honestly think COVID is what really finally people just quiet. People used. I'm probably gonna get a lot of angry emails, but. COVID, you know, when COVID screwed up everybody's economics, right? Everybody's, right? And so that was when I think a lot of people quietly accepted or quietly said out loud that it was that well interference and depletion, all the stuff was like a bigger, as big an issue as most of us knew yeah. it was. Yeah. And then we let kind of COVID take the fall for that. And since then, it's kind of come up in the open. Up until that point, I was really like, I feel like a lot of ways it's Chicken Little. And I actually called our database Chicken Little because That's our, awesome. our management really didn't believe me. He's like, okay, it got to the point where I was, I mean, I've got pretty strong opinions, but it got to the point where I was like, look, it's like, I think this is real. I'm willing to put my bonus on the table to make predictions on this. And of course, I couldn't get anybody to match me. They thought I was joking. It's like, dude, it's like, I don't care. I've been a poor grad student my entire life. Yeah, like, right. whatever, I'll go put 20, 30 grand on the table for this. Yeah. Like, just to prove a point because yeah. at the end of the day, if we're right about this, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. Yep. It's a big deal. You know, especially I was young, being technical advisor, like I didn't have a whole lot to lose, you know? Right. So, but yeah, it was interesting. So I did all that. COVID hit. We all got laid off, which is fine. Um, and then I started doing some frack kit analysis stuff with uh, Frack Pro, helped them roll out their real-time frack analysis stuff with Frack Pro AI, talked to y'all when y'all were at RDS, yep. right, about kind of getting on board with all that. Well, and you were doing all that in like Spotfire and what, like SQL or? Oh, dude, not even SQL. Yeah. I honestly, I couldn't even spell SQL at that point. <laughs> like, to be honest, like I just knew that was something that IT controlled and it really pissed me off. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I did, there was one pretty spectacular meeting where we were with IT and they didn't want to get this stuff done. I was like, look, guys, I mean, I just got promoted to the technical advisor. It's like, look, guys, I was like, the second I can squeeze a barrel of oil, out of a SQL database, then y'all can make the decisions on <laughs> yeah. how to drill this company, drive this company. It's like, until then, we got to drill holes in rock, mm-hmm. and yeah. this is what I need. I think we need. Yep. Get it done. Like, as IT, and like, I've run a data company. We are a service. I'm not the guy out there right. drilling the freaking holes, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And, and were, y'all, were y'all public or private? Private. Yeah, so we're, I mean, like, say we're private too, and like, yeah, I understand, like, you, you get the, public companies you got SOC compliance and there's certain things but like 100 but like where we're at i mean like it's not the wild west we've got some controls but like at the same time like you need to do your job all right here's what you need here yeah. we'll get it to you like i mean like and i i hate the when there's the red tape yeah you know like i agree and like and it all does create workarounds yeah <laughs> that's, Back, exactly, awful workarounds. that's exactly right. yeah because an engine 
Like engineer. someone's writing SQL on a Spotify information link instead of doing it against the database. Hey, yeah. In the words of Dr. Ian Malcolm, life will find a way. Yep. Yeah. Engineers will too. Absolutely. Right? They will freaking figure out some way to get some sort of Excel or something. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, fine. You don't want to give me a database? Yeah. I'll throw yeah. it in Excel and do it manually. That's like, why you just pay yeah. for it, man, because I like, get that roadblock out because otherwise your engineers are wasting all their time trying to figure out trying to get around the roadblocks that IT or whoever else is yeah. putting up rather than figuring out how to drill wells, right? I mean, the thing is, it's like, is, you spot on with the private thing. The way I look at this, right, as a, as a public company, for the most part, you're selling stock, right? And in order to keep that stock price up, you need to sell oil and gas, right? I mean, yeah. it's all obviously a lot more complicated than that, but yeah. that's kind of what it comes down to. Although that has definitely changed. It's changed since a COVID. lot recently, but yeah. It's yeah. changed since COVID, but pre-COVID, it yeah. definitely was that way. Mm -hmm. How um, much oil do you have and how much are you pumping yeah right, now. yeah right yeah exactly and so private companies i mean you only got a couple business models right do you care about cash flow do you care about long-term inventory or yeah. really it's just cash flow or if you're just going to do a build and flip drill right. as little as you have to to drive yeah. up the value and then sell it we supposedly were a cash flow company i was like looks like if we need to do the science like you know doing the science up front is the right thing to do yeah. it, it's expensive and if you don't have the tech, or if you don't have the talent or the time, yeah, or the money to do it, then th then don't do it. But you know, when the the way I look at this is like, I don't know, like if you're in marginal rock, I mean, you don't have a lot of play. Right. You're either going to get it right or you're going to get it wrong. Yeah, and right? if you get it wrong and you destroy value, you can't really go back in right. and get that's more exactly out of it. Like I think right. that's the biggest thing, yeah. right? Is it's 100%. it's you can't unscrew it up. Yeah, like, and that's I feel like especially over the last what, 15, 20 years now, uh, there's been a lot of, I, I can guarantee you there will be a movement at some point in probably the next five, 10 years of all of these majors or maybe even independents going back into the original shale, like the Barnett and the early Eagle for some of the early Hainesville stuff. And they're starting to do this with oh, the refract at, stuff. Yeah, BKV right? is yeah. killing it. Right. Barnett. And it's like, oh, we put these really shitty old frack designs with, you know, <laughs> Crosslink and ceramic propent and not enough propent. Really well, big stage oil -based mud. I mean, I mean, we're not, we were doing this at Conoco. I mean, yep. like with the, and those were when the original frack designs were really original and, shit, you know, <laughs> right. but like even there was value there. And like, yeah. you know, at Grayson Mill, we're pretty active on the refract side. I mean, it's, there's a, it's ripe for it. I mean, I think yep. it's all those secondary tertiary hey, recoveries. Yeah. Like, and, and I think when the stakes are higher, you got to do more work, right? I mean, I used to joke that like you can't engineer your way out of bad rock or poor management, yeah. right? <laughs> no, just, it's only so true. Some, you can't do anything, right? But if you've, you know, but if you're in, marginal rock like you don't have a whole lot of chances to get it right you yeah. know you can go into like this stuff that's way over pressured and got 10 different zones and drill one or two bad wells and like yeah you'll still recover i mean you're still going to probably make money on that well you'll still at least pay out right you know we're out on the edge you there's not as much leeway there you got to get it you got to get it right yeah you know well, and you can't you can't go back and get the data either most of the time oh that's, dude and that's, that's the pressure yeah that's i'm a huge evangelist for pressure i remember one time we, we to, all are yeah, unfortunately they were trying to cut our budget on pressure gauges and i'd straight up with the production engineers were i straight up told them, I was like i would rather fire some engineers than um let go of these gauges and they laughed i was like i'm joking i was like i'm not joking like, yeah i'll give you a list you know, it's like we're getting, <laughs> I was like, we're, yeah, I was like, we're getting more value out yeah. of this. It's 25 grand a pop. I was I mean, going to say, they're not expensive. It's That's, literally okay, less This we're buying your gauges. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's But more, even like you rent for RDS, it was like 300 bucks a day we were doing. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah. That's way cheaper than what you're. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll always try to put everything in perspective is like what it costs uh, 
relative to a frack stage. Mm-hmm. Or I was like, dude, this is like less than one frack stage. I'm gonna do that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess it's really not that much. Yeah, no, give me like, put it in a percent of the AFE of the well, and it's less than a fraction. It it's less than budge, half like, of a percent. It literally doesn't here. change yeah. the 100%. thing, and yet. But lots of people are like, oh, that's so, like, I'm not going to spend any more money. I'm like, you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a day to get these stages done. Yeah. And you don't want to spend 300 bucks a day just to get some data that is probably going to be valuable the entire life of your well. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that goes to, and this actually kind of, kind of dovetail <clears throat> into how I got into the data side of this. Yeah. That's really, I think the big thing is because a lot of the pressure data, especially, those data sets are so big, unless you actually know how to handle it, it's just yeah. going to sit there. Yeah. And that's where I started getting, like, really started boosting my skills on really, like, the spot fire side. Because, like, so for, like, a – so uh, we would design an interference test on all the parent wells going into the job. We would uh, monitor all the parent and all the child wells during the frag job. And we do an interference test on all of the wells after the frag job. Well, so during the frack job, we'll say you have four child wells and four parent wells. The parent wells were pulling pressure every minute, and the child wells were pulling every second, right? Takes two to three weeks for a frack job or maybe longer. That's a lot of data coming in. Yeah. You I mean, data is relative, but that's a lot. I mean, yeah, like, it's more than CSVs. Than Excel sheet, yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, okay, so, like, I had already been using Spotfire quite a bit that po- at that point. I started on, actually, using it in QEP, like, way back in 2011. Um, and then was really using it more really when I was at Simerex, but I really kind of boosted everything with the frack stuff. Cause then you had to get so, we had to get so much more creative on like how to join these tables. Yeah. The other thing is like well spacing. I spent like months figuring out a way to do like a really good, robust well spacing calculation right. before Inveris was releasing that as a product and stuff. And actually we still teach it to this day. Yeah. It still works really well. I mean, a lot of people still want to do it in house. I mean, again, yeah. Do you want to pay that much? If that's the one thing you need from yeah. Inveris. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you want to pay 20 grand for just a couple one-liners? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyways. <laughs> well, so, yeah. <laughs> how does, let's just talk about kind of how that rolls into what you're doing now at Sabata and tell us a little bit more about <clears throat> that story because I think that's a, it's an interesting story. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's really interesting. It also has a lot of applications that we were talking about earlier. So Yeah, so when I was at Discovery, so I was working, so for Two years of Simrex and two years of Discovery, I was essentially 50-50 between mines and industry, right? I was spending half of my time downtown. The other half of the time, I was over at School Mines. Spring semester, I'd work on engineering masters. Fall semester, I'd work on PhD geology, right? And then that's how essentially I just kept rolling all the time. Jeez. I did that for years. Yeah. Not very efficient, but it was actually, <laughs> I think it was pretty effective because like now, like, you know, I can kind of move between stuff and I don't really think mm-hmm. about it. Um. While I was doing that, I quickly kind of became like the spot fire dude in the grad school. It realized like grad students are like hermit crabs, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we see new furniture, like, oh, that's a new chair. You abandon your old chair and adopt the yeah. new one. Same thing with workflows, right? Like, this is a crappy workflow. Someone's got yeah. something shiny over here. I'm going to adopt that workflow and I'm never going to look at this old workflow yep. again. Well, so early on, I was trying to tell the student or some of the professors like, hey, we need to bring spot fire in here. And they're like, well, you know, we've got Aries. It's like, what? I don't think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't think. You didn't, no, you didn't I, understand my no, question. No, I've got a similar story at Conoco <laughs> where, like, I, I got pretty good at Spotfire. And then my, like, the head boss on the Eagle for Development is like, oh, you're good with that. Now you need to learn OFM. I'm like, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, the OFM data comes to me in, in Spotfire. Dude, I don't, yeah. I, it's so wild. And so, and so I was doing that. I had all the grad students coming, especially in the job department, asking me, like, how to use it. And I got kind of tired of like answering everybody's questions all the time. 
because like I worked weekends and nights a lot because I was working downtown right. during the day and everybody would bug me during the week because they all skied on the weekends, <laughs> right? And so it's like, you know, it's like, I'm just going to teach a class. I'm going to do this once a semester and then y'all don't bug me anymore. Or y'all have to buy me lunch or beers yeah, or something yeah. like that. So that's how the kind of the spot part stuff started. Kind of rolled that up. And then I started using that from a PhD work, which is really compiling all of the previously published data in the Peons and UNA basins, which is a lot. Um, that's really the birthplace of sequence strat. Um, and so kind of compiling like cross sections and stuff, cores, cuttings, well logs, all this that's been combined. Kind of used that and work and just kind of cycled back, used work skills at school, used school, school right. skills at work. Well, then COVID came. We all got clipped. I was sitting around the house. I was like, well, I don't have anything. Well, I had the PhD, but all the schools were screwed up because yep. of COVID. COVID. Right. I was like, and I was already doing this fracket stuff. So we kind of went down that road. And that was, I mean, I started the company. So I started Sabata Energy Consultants, which was, uh, <laughs> I'm half Mexican. I wanted something that sounded a little Spanish. And up until that point, I was like really into spaghetti westerns. And so I found this like uh, the the bad guy in all the spaghetti westerns, Lee Van Cleef. So my first company was a rental house company called LVC Landco. So he was the, they called him the best of the bad. So he's the guy with the mustache and the good and bad and the ugly. It's essentially once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. That's essentially who that movie is okay. about. And so Sabata kind of started from there. Originally it was Frackett stuff. This was April of 2020. And then in August of 2020, I got uh, one of the Frack Pro guys told me like, hey, there's this oil and gas library up for sale in Midland. And I was living in San Angelo at the point. It's like, what? And so I like looked at the, it was going through like one of the old school, like oil and gas clearing houses. And they didn't really have a reserve on there or something. I was like, well, this is kind of interesting. And it's like, well, I've got this kind of like workflow already for like compiling data from the PhD. It's like, I bet we can kind of do it there. So I called my buddy who's working Midlands. Like, hey, he's like, I don't really know how much this thing is going. Actually, you know, actually, first I called another buddy of mine, David Thule over at Geolumina, who yeah. we all should have on the show. We were talking to him. About, oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah, so we were talking about kind of going going in together, and I was like, look, I was like, a lot of this stuff is copyrighted. We really, it'd be really hard to monetize it, but like, we'll have our own database, and we won't have to be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to lease stuff. And so we put in a bid. They said it's too low, um, and then waited, and no one came in else. So we put in another bid. We lost the bid to an outfit in Dallas. Like, crap. It was like, whatever. Um, yeah. Is what it is. Well, then they ended up not going through with it. And so the guys came back to us. I was like, okay. So I cut the bid in half. So I gave them the, <laughs> so I cut it in half and gave them the bid again. And they're like, well, we still want more than that. And like, they'd screwed up and told us how much it was costing them per month to store the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was like, okay, fine. It's like, that's what we're like. Well, we're going to go one of these other libraries, try to donate it. Okay, whatever. I was like, that's all we're going to give you. <laughs> and the library said, no, we don't want it. We don't have the space. So they came back. So I cut it in half again. <laughs> and so, and then when they gave it, uh, then we went, started going through stuff. Some of the title on some of the stuff wasn't as clear as I wanted. It's like, hey, this is the high value stuff. I'm not really sure if you have permission to transfer this to us or not. I need you to go and get explicit permission. Otherwise, we're going to give you half of that one. <laughs> yeah. And well, they never could get the explicit permission, so we never acquired it. So we ended up getting like the whole library for uh, less than a quarter of what we put in originally. Wow! So what we ended up getting this one. There's we're, it was one of three oil and gas libraries in Midland. We bought the Petroleum Research Center. It used to be in the basement of the Claydesta Towers over on the north side of town. Um, I want to say it was like six hundred thousand pieces of oh, six hundred thousand well logs on paper, um, kind of organized but not really. 
another million completion cards. Um, so just on index cards, wow. um, in scout tickets and some production books and some other stuff. This is December of 2020, right? I mean, or excuse me, 2021. When did COVID happen now? Uh, it, it, started, it started 2020. Okay. All right. So this is December 2020. Okay. Yeah. And so me and my buddy bought this thing for a song and it was in the basement. It's COVID. It's December. There's nothing to do in Midland even during the summer. Right. And so we went down in this basement and packed boxes. I'm not joking you for five weeks straight. <laughs> By the end of it, like we Fingers had no up. fingerprints left, like at all. Like at all. We, it was, looked so weird because there's no internet down there, too. So you go in there, we got like this Bluetooth speaker just blaring either metal or like EDM or something like that. <laughs> and we've just got this big jug of lotion on the side that took so because your hands dry out. Right, so yeah. And like we'd have people come in like, what the is going on in here? Like grab a box, you know, start throwing yeah. stuff in. So we packed the whole thing up, moved it out through the elevator this is the first and last time i'll ever buy a library in a basement like, <laughs> elevators suck and so and then yeah we threw it in the storage like okay well now we got to find a building to put this in um during a few months before that i had helped a couple guys that wanted to do a bunch of helium stuff like helium data brought me on board because i worked in 2015 we pulled a well spot database across the u.s they were kind of do as a side gig i was doing this full-time so we end up buying them out. And then after we bought the library, essentially all the pieces came together. So we pulled the library in, which was the physical data, my PhD work, which is a way to organize all of this stuff. And then the Wellspot database from the uh, natural gas data group is what we called it when we bought those guys and pulled all the pieces together. And it took a few months to really integrate it all. And that's what really started everything going. So the idea is that we we're kind of marketing this as like the Google search for subsurface data. So rather than going to 50 or 60 different websites, you could come to one, which sounds very, very easy. But man, it's been a huge yeah. amount of work, like an insane amount of work. I, I mean, say, anyone that knows oil and gas data knows that oil and gas data awful. is never easy. And so it's like, are you, are you digitizing this data too? All of everything yeah. above. So it's everything. So we've got now, we've acquired more collections since then. So we've got another collection in Kentucky that we got for, uh, it's Illinois Basin stuff. We got uh, for CCUS stuff. Got a couple big collections out of Denver from the Denver Library. I'm picking up 50 well log, 50 bankers boxes of well logs here in Houston tomorrow. And then I'm picking up some more in Midland next week. So wow. now I don't even know, honestly, now. And then we we had a, a guy that worked with us for a while too, scrape some data too. So like, I think now we're up to like 1.4 million digital well logs. Wow. That's TIFF and LAS. We've <clears> got, <throat> I don't even know. Um, I want to say like 800,000, maybe 900,000 paper well logs. We've got another probably six to 800,000 on microfiche. And we've got uh, completion cards. I don't even know. Probably yeah. one and a half million at this point. I honestly don't know. So if we want to jump in like more on the tech side. Like how, are, how are you? Did, I mean, like, are, so are these existing as, when we say digitizing, are those, say those completion cards or stuff like that? Are the you know paper logs, are those images now? Or are you actually able to pull the data out of that? And that's ending up in it's a, a It's a mixture. So right. here's the, this is what makes us very, very different than everybody else. If you go to most of these traditional oil and gas libraries or, or wherever, people are scanning those, they're scanning them and getting them into their system. But here's the thing, 99% of this data will never sell, period. Yeah. If you're really good, if you work 40 hours a week doing nothing but scanning well logs, you're probably gonna average around one well log every 15 minutes, okay? When you've got 800,000 of them, 
Yeah. You, right. I mean, that that's just to scan it. That's not even to get it right. on a map, right? Just <laughs> to scan it into a TIFF format, which no one wants to buy for the most part, yeah. right? <laughs> so, and so we worked, I called up uh, Dave David Thule over at Geoloom, and I was like, look, it's like, I think the better way to do this is we just take photographs of the log headers because that's really what I really care about anyways. Off the log header, I can get the log description, I can get the API number, the well name, the land grid, top depth, bottom depth, all that stuff, right? And then rather than scanning everything up front, we're just gonna photograph these headers, um, get them onto a map, and then we'll scan them when people want them. And that very, very subtle difference, you know, you're talking about doing, you know, me or the student workers can do maybe 100 or 200 well logs a day scanned, and we can do 500 per person. We call it tagging back now. So what we do now is uh, work with Geolumina. They built us an, an iPhone app. Um, and we have this little QR code. It's just a unique code that says where it came from, essentially a data source code, the data type code in it, and then just a unique number. We put that little um, sticker on it. Um, and then with that iPhone app, we just uh, scan that code, take a photograph of the well header. It goes to Geolumina. They process the image, essentially clean it up and crop it, send it back to us. Once we get it back, we got an image of that log header and that unique code. And then we go and pull the API number log description, the county name. So in case it doesn't have an API number, we at least know where it's at. Top depth, bottom depth of the log, uh, whether it's copyrighted or not, that sets the restrictions on what we can do with it. Uh, and now we just started pulling temperatures as well. And you're, and you're, and you're pulling the data out of the, out of the image, like into, are you flattening that into like rectangular data or? Yeah. Okay. So we're doing, initially we talked to you a little bit about actually automating all this. The problem is like log header stuff is so messy. There's yeah. a million different templates. Half the stuff is like, handwritten too yeah i mean in all honesty and we just finally was like you know what we just do it all by hand now so yeah. what we do now is we uh photograph them it goes to the app app sends it out to whatever the cloud service that geolumina they does the processing they send it back to us in a dropbox folder um i pull from that dropbox folder we just pull that unique list that got processed kick it over to our sql server which we're just running through an rds instance on aws Amazon. so are you running that on sql server now or i know at one point you're using mysql right or yeah we're still using mysql okay mysql yeah yeah it's just, that's what we started with and it's really cheap too no yeah yeah and we're doing really simple stuff too i mean <clears throat> very very simple yeah. stuff and then that goes in sql server and then i've just got sql views to say hey I want you to pull all of the doc codes. So that's what we call that unique code. Mm. Pull all the doc codes for well logs that we haven't done data entry for. And I do that. We're right now we're catching up. We're doing kind of county by county. And then I kick that out to a Google Sheet, put it out in a Google Sheet, and then we just have the student workers, me, some of the silent partners. We just go in there and just constantly do data editing. So it's a really simple process. It took us a lot of different ways to figure out why to do it that way. Yeah. The first one was the Google Sheets. <laughs> when we were doing this natural gas stuff, this helium stuff, originally, student workers, a lot of them really great. Some of them don't listen to all much. And so what would happen is that we'd have like multiple people work on the same data sheet and we didn't yeah. know it. Google Sheet gets away from that because then I can see everybody in there working and we mm -hmm. make sure we never do double work. Right. So when doc codes get sent out to, to our Google Drive, none of that gets edited until it comes back into the system. It's effectively gotcha. frozen. Um, and that's also a really good way to one, make sure people are actually working. Yeah. And yeah. two, it's a really good way to snag errors up front because right. we're sending out a couple thousand at a time. Like, hey, that's the wrong way to do this. Fix this hundred that you've already done it on and continue it going forward. And then, yeah. And then we pull that, put it into the system. We've got other queries that pulls, um, like if it doesn't have an API number, we pull the well name and stuff like that. Okay. Um, through a separate query, do all the data entry for that. Well, don't you, don't you have 
so there's two questions I've got. One, it, what do you call it? Dark data? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So talk about the dark data. And then two, haven't you, aren't y'all also layering like additional public data on top of the stuff that yeah. you guys have as well? So it is truly a one stop. If I want to find, I don't, I don't even know what all data is in it at this point because you've done a, a bunch of work in the last yeah. six months. But So well, there's two parts to really to the data arm of the company, right? We still do a lot of consulting on Spotfire and mm-hmm. some Python stuff and little things there. But for the data arm, there's two parts, uh, really business models. The first is this kind of Google search model where you can go to one spot and you can find all the data that, or pretty much all the data that's available that's out there. Um, we really don't have competition for that. You know, if you look at like the typical IHS and Veris TGS, those are single vendor sites that you only get to see what they own or what they broker. And (laughs) you have to pay to see it, right? Which is kind of whatever, teach their own. And you also lease that too, right? So whenever you don't pay your bill the next year, you have to delete all of your system. That model worked for a long time. The problem is there's only a few shops that can afford it now. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is that the oil field is re-specializing, I think since COVID. Now, you've, especially you've got behind pipe stuff, you've got some of the stuff like the Strawn kicking off on the Eastern Shelf. Like this is not the typical shale company that's yeah. just spending money hand right. over fist. So um, we've we've really, I think we're the only real person in this, what we call like a multi-vendor yeah. uh, data directory. Just think of it as a phone book. We just went live with it in Texas, where for 250 bucks a year, you can get a listing of everything that we know exists well logs, drill stem tests, completion cards, whatever. Everything we know exists in the state of Texas for 250 bucks a year. And uh, the best thing is like you own that table afterwards. So afterwards, you don't want to pay me for next year. That's fine. You get to keep it. But here's the cool part. It's, you know, we've got our stuff in here. We're going, th- we've gone through all the regulatory agencies and the geologic surveys, which right. is what most of the data vendors don't go through because they can't sell it. Um, and then also going through private companies. So we've got the Midcon Library out of Edmond, Oklahoma is in there. We're talking with the Wichita Falls Library. It looks like they're about to jump on board. Um, talking with, we've got, uh, and then on the free version online, there is a free version too, okay. which is unique. We've got Geomark, <clears throat> LAS, uh, New Tech, Premier, you name it, yeah. pretty much everybody. So, um, and then now what we're doing now, you can pay to download it. That's rolling out all the paperwork now. That's really unique. And then what we're really pushing towards now is where we're doing like white label data products. So rather than us bundling up all these this data in all these different ways, whether it's leasing, whether it's single sales, whatever, is that we're gonna be the guys essentially uh, making the generic toilet paper and then we'll let everybody else sell that toilet paper and throw their label on it, yeah. right? So essentially what we're doing now, if you wanna sell well logs on your website, to go scrape all of Texas and get it bundled up, you're looking at on the low side, probably a quarter million dollars, really, to get it fully searchable and everything. Yeah. We've already done it, or we're in the process of doing right. most of it. So you can come to us and I'll say, hey, this is what I need, uh, a minimum price. Um, you want to slap your label on it, that's fine. You mark it up as a, however much right. you want to. I just want to split of the profits and retain ownership. And that has really changed the game for us. And that all came back last fall when I said I was closing the company down. Yeah. And a lot of the conversations when people were trying to buy us out afterwards. So. Let's let's get into that because I think that's a <laughs> no, I mean it's it's, it, it's the reality of entrepreneurship and, and small businesses, honestly, right? What ninety plus percent of small businesses fail. And so it's it's one of those things that and there's a number of examples of people kind of in the same situation where it was like they built something and they had basically made the decision to kind of turn it off or back away from it. And then something happened and it 
immediately started kicking back off. I feel like that's very similar to oh, kind of dude, how hundred yeah, percent. <laughs> like we essentially 2020 through early 2022, we were trying to grow. Uh, I was trying to grow everything as fast as humanly possible, right? As fast as we could afford. And that went pretty good. I mean, we, I mean, now I would consider us probably for sure top five data holders in the U S like I usually joke, we're the biggest data company you've never heard of. Um, mostly because it's all been on development and we're yeah. just kind of getting into the production mode. Um, but dude, it came at a cost, like starting a business sucks. Like yeah, no, it really true. does. Like, honestly, <laughs> like it's really glamorized on TV, yeah. but here's the thing is like, I like the oil feels especially bad about this Midland too. It's really easy to make a hundred thousand dollars a year in Midland. Like, honestly, yeah. like if you could pass this test and show up to work on time, most of the time mm-hmm. you can make a six figure thing. Right. Well, you know, we're building really for the long term and man, it just got to the point where, you know, we're making money, but all the money that's coming in is just going, going right, right back, back, back into the, the company. No one was really getting paid or not getting paid that much. You know, I went through divorce. We had a bad business partner um, that we're still dealing with the legal aftermath of that right now. And it's just like last fall, it's like, dude, this sucks. I'm tired of this. I'm working 80, 100 hours a week. Right. I'm not getting paid. I'm actually paying to work because I'm throwing <laughs> yeah, my own cash right. into this too. Dealing with a divorce, dealing with a lawsuit, dealing with a bunch of other crap, right? And it's like, I'm done. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and that was what last, I think October or yeah, August, something fall. like that. And uh, it was really interesting afterwards. So had a lot of people reach out, <laughs> making sure I was okay and I wasn't going to yeah. off myself. Like, no, 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 I'm too vain for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we kind of like, I just kind of like chilled out and just trying to reset. You know, the thing was, is like, we were, <laughs> a lot of people thought we were bankrupt. I've heard rumors from some people. And like we still had cash. I was just looking three, four, six months yeah. down the road. It's like, yeah. this isn't, we got to stop it's not now. Terrible, yeah. 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 It was interesting. So we had a lot of these conversations where people came and want to buy us out and they want the whole thing for a deal. It's like, dude's like, I'm not desperate. Like, I right. don't want to sell this. Right. The end goal for us was always become an investment shop, right? We use this database yeah. and our data skills to eventually use this to let people bring prospects up and invest in them. And so, it's interesting when people think you're on your deathbed, you get a lot of deathbed confessions, right? So we learned a lot about like who all was trying to do what in the industry, where they're kind of heading, where they're aban- what what they're abandoning and stuff. And the kind of the constant thing I kept hearing too was like people want to sell data, but they just don't have the time, the money, or the skills to really start it. And that's kind of where this whole like white label product kind of started. Right. And that was and honestly, it was a trip to HEB about three months ago when I was buying some yogurt covered pretzels. Right. And so uh, seriously, I was like, I wonder if they make this. Like, no, it's somebody else. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's the mall. But what really kind of changed everything is, you know, we had these, we we have two buildings. We've got a 6,500 square foot office, a 7,000 square foot warehouse in the middle of Texas. I mean, we bought them for a dime, but still, dude, that gets expensive quick. Like, the, our burn rate was just too high. And so, that's the tricky part, right? Is it's not like your traditional data company where you're playing for physical cloud data. storage. Yeah. You're paying for physical storage. Yeah, we pay for all of it, right? We've <laughs> been paying. to the warehouse. It's huge and it's full of data. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah we've got 70-something pallets of core yeah. there, too, on top of it. Like, <laughs> should, you can't scan core and put it on the cloud. Like, it's freaking rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, and does that have to be temperature controlled, too? Or, I mean, that, it should be, should but be, yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, ideally, yeah, but, yeah. like, frankly, no one really does anymore. And honestly, the way we get our cores operators and a lot of our logs too is operators say hey 
we want someone to use this. We don't want to just throw it in the garbage. Yeah. And um, they find someone to come pick it up. I and mean, we were effectively glorified garbage men. Yeah. I mean, dude, I've picked up logs. I've got logs stored in three different states right now. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, now what we do is we pick them up and I store them on site. So I've got like a storage unit in Kentucky. I got another one in Denver. Okay. And we just store it on site until we need to bring it in. Yeah. Um, but honestly, uh, we're going to do the same thing here uh, tomorrow with these Houston logs. They're going to sit in my aunt's place until I'll come for Christmas and haul yeah. back to Midland. Yeah. And so anyways, so that was all kind of good and well. We learned a lot and was like, yeah, I think we can get, I think we can get this thing sold, but it's not, we're, n- we're not going to break even probably. And, you know, I just not really sure if these people really have the umph to really pull it over the line. It's a lot harder to do that. Like intellectual property is tough. Yeah. Like, cause it's not only like the server fees and having the tech talent, but the attorneys. Yep. Attorneys are like my third biz- biggest expense every single month just for the ndas the cas um the data licensing to right. people data licensing from people right and that it all just kind of like took its toll and then i don't know what happened in december um like the world just seemed to change um the big one there's two big contracts that came for me one was my buddy uh, a buddy of mine who runs uh, fossil petroleum out in san angelo um he uh, essentially goes out and either wildcats little verticals or he goes finds old verticals that people don't want anymore, buys them, gets them up and running. Like this kind of typical thing we've yeah. all talked about as engineers, right? Um, and he's like, hey, I got some stuff. I need to, honestly, I need to spend some money to get off my taxes. He's like, how about I just send you a retainer and you just work off of that? I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like, send it <laughs> I get the invoice and like, give me five minutes, you know? Yeah. So that was a big one. The other one is I got a big contract with uh, Endeavor Resources for uh, doing spot fire and some Python training. And that was the first one, you know, up until that point, we've never marketed. Everything we've done right. has been word of mouth for better, for worse, saves money. Yeah. You know, we get better clients tip, or I wouldn't say better clients. We get clients who are actually going to sign the paperwork right. rather mm-hmm. than just kicking the tires. You're not like cold, yeah. you know, like leads and then trying to figure out if, if they actually want it or not, or they're just feeling you out. Yeah, exactly. And so that was the deal with them. It was like, hey, I can do this. <clears> but like I had been interviewing for some real jobs didn't really want to i didn't really find a whole lot of stuff that really interested me frankly um and they kind of say hey we need the stuff and we need it we're making a big push to get everybody on spotfire and get literate in it and we're trying to book me out through the next year it's like yeah i can do it. it's like but like if we do this we got to really do this because like if i take this contract i won't be able to get a right. real job right which definitely came up in a couple interviews um and then after that it was just back to back to back to back and like i've done today's what june 21st i've done i did uh 48 days of training through the end of may or through the first week of june which is wild i mean 48 days i've been in front of clients or universities or whatever like that like teaching on the fly yeah and dude like that has just been that i mean it sucks being on the road that much i mean pretty much live out of hotel rooms but that's what kept the lights on and little by little yeah we just kind of dug ourselves back out of this and got again cash flow we got the first data products live now. You know, I'm doing stuff with, hopefully we're talking with Tibco, the people who actually own Spotfire. And a lot of this, honestly, was the Spotfire side. <laughs> I used to joke, like, I spent 10 years and a quarter million dollars trying to get a PhD just to teach Spotfire classes. <laughs> you know, but whatever. I mean, it's been pretty good because I think part of it is that you can hire shops to, like that know how to push the buttons, right? Yeah. 
the big thing is like I do have a grad degree in engineering and I'm 90% right. of the way on the geology side. You've got the domain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like actually how to use it. That's been the big thing. Um, yep. And because a lot of IT people, because that's where you kind of run in with IT, right? IT knows how to push the buttons. They don't know, necessarily know what, what to build. Right. Yep. No, and I mean, that's similar to DW, right? It's like you can go hire a marketing company yep. if you wanted to. They probably don't have any <laughs> industry domain experience or understanding or of what the hell we're talking or, about, who they're yeah. selling to, how the industry works, you know, what upstream, midstream, and downstream are, like all those nuances. And it's it's important. <laughs> 100%. And I tell people, like, looks like I'm not a data scientist. <clears throat> I'm a claim to be. I do a lot of data, you know, analysis and data visualization. But first and foremost, I'm an engineer and I'm a geologist. Yeah. You know, and what I teach in my classes and what I do day to day, you know, a lot of my stuff is kind of hourly work or we do like office hours, which is actually my favorite way to do this. Or essentially, it's if you're not used to being in front of, I used to play music and sing a lot during undergrad. Like if you're not used to being in front of people, it's ter terrifying. Yeah. But like now, like what I'll do is I'll show up at the laptop and we clear out a conference room for a yeah, half day or day and, and we just do it live, you know, just run through all <clears> the problems, <throat> try to fix as much as we can. And it's great because I block out three or four hours. We knock out all their stuff. They save a bunch of money because yeah. I'm not having to log in, log out and yeah. all that crap, you know. And uh, and then we'll come back and do it again once a month or something. Yeah, it's great. I mean, because then you're fixing like real world problems. Right. And this is what's it's been really nice is like having this consulting and data company together. It definitely makes things complicated at at times. Like I can't go do data. I can't lease right. data from anybody because I'm a competitor. Right. That being said, you know, it it's really nice when I go into these shops and like, hey, this is how I do it. Uh, they're like, okay, it was like, well, this is what I do. Like, and we manage one of the biggest data sets in the business. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then we go talk to other folks that we have contractors and stuff that help us out. Like, well, I'm going to do this and that and the other. It's like, yeah, that's great. Your clients don't care about that, man. Right. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, especially since COVID, it's cash flow, right? Like, unless it sucks another barrel of oil out or an MCF out of the ground, like, it's not going to matter. Yep. And so, you know, what I kind of tell people is like my hierarchy of needs are uh does it run does it run fast and does it look pretty yeah i frankly don't care about that last one you know i think as you work into some bigger operators right. or maybe service company that last one especially service companies that last one really matters yeah but if you're just trying to get oil out of the ground does it work <clears throat> you know even if it's inefficient you mm -hmm. know i get in little spats with the data science guys all the time like well that's not a really good way to do it it's like yeah but like if it works and people know how to run it Right. Because here's the thing is like, you don't need a Maserati to go to the grocery store, yep. dude. No. Right. I mean, you do also don't want to ride a goat. Right. So <laughs> yeah. if it's two blocks away, maybe you can get away with it. If it's, you know, two miles away, that sounds really uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, I, I just tell people's like, if it works for you, it works for you. And I really stole that off of Bob Marie would say this yeah. forever for the frack side. Yeah. You know, if it works, like, who cares? You yeah. know? It's like if you got to get it working first and then you can make it faster. Yeah. Right. And then after that, looking pretty. But I think most companies, the looking pretty part doesn't matter because by the time you get to that point, yeah. you're already on something new. Well, that and like, I mean, I mean you're, you're doing this training, say with Endeavor or something like And that's kind of where I've gotten at, at GME too is like, let me get this in your hands. And then like, if you've, if you're doing the teaching part correctly and like helping enable them, you, you want to provide them the good data and get, you get it in there, yeah. but then let them build out what they need, right. you know, as they, get, their, as they scale up too. Yeah. yeah. And the way I look at, the way I look at Sabata, honestly, is um, I remember reading some article one time where they were taking like, this is before COVID, where they were taking like restaurants and turning them into co-working spaces during the day because you only use a restaurant really right. four hours out of the day or at least the floor, right? 
And so that's the way I kind of look at it from the consulting perspective. It's like, look, we're consultants first and foremost. That is what pays the bills right now, right? Um, and when people call us and we need to do stuff, then we jump on it as fast as we can. And noted, I can be a little slow on stuff because I try to do too much stuff. But anyways, you jump on that. Well, then in consulting, like January, December, and the summer are always slow because people are on vacation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Mondays and Fridays. It doesn't yeah, seem right. like any. Everybody does meetings on Mondays, and it doesn't really seem that anybody does much on Fridays yeah. anymore. And so like Fridays, uh, so like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those are when we're on deck consulting nonstop, right? Friday through Sunday, uh, real or excuse me, Friday through Monday. Right. And then in the summer, January, December, that's where we're working on data, right? And like the idea is that you have 100% utilization at all right. points, right? Because that's the big thing with these big data shops. They got a lot of data and they'll put out some derivatives, but no one really believes it. Whether we should or not believe it is a whole nother discussion, yeah. but <laughs> no one believes it. It doesn't really, you know, the way I look at things is like, you know, the truth only matters in hindsight, right? It doesn't matter if it's real. If no one believes yeah. it, people make judgments off emotion. And so, you know, it's a lot easier saying, hey, you're paying me like a lot of money to be an expert in this. These are data sets that I'm building. And let's, uh, was it not translational, but like, you seen the quality of work that we do on an engineering and geology perspective or spot fire or whatever like that, you know, we do that same quality of work right. on the data side too. And in the opposite where we sell people data and then we'll do consulting to them. And it's, it's a weird thing, but it oh, works. Man, it makes sense, yeah. right? It's, it's almost like a lead gen type thing, right? You, oh, you yeah. get, you're getting paid for the services you do it, but then also you build that relation. I mean, it's, Sales in general, I've been in sales over about a decade, but sales is very relational based a yeah. lot of times, especially in the oil field. Well, and it comes down to trust too. Yeah, like that's, yeah, that's what I was getting. I mean, right. I was talking to a guy, I mean, my story, I came out of teaching, got into um, you know, oil and gas and into data. And I was I talking, I was, yeah, um, but I was talking to a guy yesterday at lunch who he's leaving teaching and coaching and wants to get into it. And he was like, how'd you get from where you were to like where, where you are now? I'm like, people trust you to deliver when they yeah. ask you something like you, you find a way to do it and you can deliver and they trust that what you're gonna provide yeah. them is good. And you yeah. keep doing that. Like yeah. honesty in the oil field, generally speaking, at least in the long term, genuinely pays off a lot of times just being upfront with people candid and candid. Just, yeah. yeah. Like, Cause that's reliable. The, I think that's yeah. the that's craziest the thing one. about the oil field too, is that at, uh, pretty much everybody you meet isn't worried about if something goes wrong. It's, how you react to it going wrong. Yeah. It's not, which is like coming out of college, you know, my first job as a field engineer, like shit goes wrong on frack sites all the time. And I'm like, oh God, am I going to get fired for something like, you know, we screened out or whatever. And it's like stuff that's not even related to what I was doing at that time. But it's like, you're always worried about, and it's like, no, the reality of the situation is shit happens. It's not if it happens, it's just when, and it's how you go about handling it yeah. when it happens that really makes or breaks kind of your, I, and as a consultant, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. your word, yeah, it's, your word you and your ethic and uh, work ethic and all that other stuff. I mean, that is what seals your fate one mm -hmm. way or the other. Yeah. You know, I one of my favorite quotes I've said forever is Ernest Hemingway said, like, always follow through what you, uh, always follow through uh, what you say you'll do when you're drunk because it'll teach you to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's the thing is I've always said, it's like, hey, if I want to tell you how to do something or I'm going to tell you that I'll do something, we'll do it. I might even lose money on it. You know, and if, or if we do bad work or something like that, yeah. I tell people like, call me up. Like, yeah. dude, like I've been chewed out before, man. Like, I, yeah. you're not gonna hurt my feelings. You know, I've also chewed out people too. It's like, hey, you're not doing your job, yep. or 
not getting paid, which is a whole other diatribe. Um, But, you know, I think, you know, it's a brand, right? Our brand, we're named after Spaghetti Westerns, right? I mean, our brand is that we're kind of rough and rowdy. We do really good. We do good work. Occasionally can take some time just because we got a lot going on. But, you know, we're going to make it right one way or the other. If I don't, if we screw up, you know, if we screw up, we'll screw up. You're not going to get charged for it. You'll probably get something back in return or something like that. Yeah. And that's how I've always run myself. You know, I don't have the most, uh, I have a bit of abrasive personality, I've been told. But um, that being said, like, I think it's consultant just being like, look, this is it. Like, yeah. transparency. I'm, you're paying me to fix a problem. Yeah. This is what I think the solution is. And if I don't, not comfortable with it, I'll tell them, like, I don't know how to do I can get you this far. Let me find someone else to 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 help you out yeah. on that and i think i think you're right like the transparency part of this is big and you don't really you don't really see the consequences of that really until you're spent on your own like mm-hmm. yeah working as consultant is when your name's on it like yeah 100 i mean it's literally your name on the line i mean it has been a huge the startup side has been a huge learning experience yeah. but just being able to like it took me three years to where we can really start really paying ourselves and all this other right. stuff. Right. And it feels good because then, you know, it's like, okay, I think everybody thinks they know what they're worth until you go hit the street. <laughs> yeah. And i tell you what, the market dictates your hourly oh, rate 100%. very mm-hmm. quickly. You really figure out, we've had some people that work for us too. Uh, one guy in particular thought they were worth a lot of money and pulled in essentially no money in at all. And it's like, well, you know, I've got all these skills like, yeah, cool. No one's paying for it though. Like it, you've got a, some real cognitive dissonance here. And I've had to go through it too. I mean, yeah, you know, we've boosted rates a lot. I mean, you know, and we've also done stuff for damn near free. I yeah. mean, you know, like you just got to build that network up. So it's been interesting for sure. It's been a haul. Yeah, that, yeah I mean, we could, you could do a whole episode on just on like consulting, like pricing, and everything. <laughs> for just sure. like, you know, like because it's just like then you get the imposter syndrome. Like, uh-huh. no way anyone pay me that much. But then like. You don't know till you ask, you know, or well, and you don't want to be, you know, just gouging people, but you got to make money. You know, it's like, it's oh, like, yeah. there's so much psychology behind that too. But like, there's a, I saw something at some point, uh, probably on Instagram, but they were talking about how, you know, luxury brands are mostly recession proof and it's because their market is recession proof essentially. And yeah. it's like, they can charge whatever they want because it's an exclusive, it's not a fixing a need Mm-hmm. thing right and so like being able to focus or understand where like where those markets and psychologies are is, is a fascinating well that like thing. the best clients are oftentimes the ones <laughs> right. that are paying you the most yep. like yep. they're the ones that are yep. paying you on time and they're you know pr- generally pleased and then like the person you're cutting a deal half the time you know is Ends the one that's like the nagging you ass. and just pulling down like mm-hmm. yeah and what's interesting is people don't realize how small the service side really is right. that world and especially in consultants for like when you're doing this sort of stuff it is a very small group of individuals and like if you shit, screw people over she gets around real quick yeah very quick i mean it's usually within a couple of weeks like mm-hmm. literally yeah. one conference right whatever that next conference is that's when everybody like you know kind of open kimono mm-hmm. a little bit yeah right because we're all the i mean because we're all like, it looks like we're all doing the same thing, but we're definitely not. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're all like overlap a little bit, you know. So like uh anyways, it's interesting. So the way I look at this, you know, from the consulting side or even from the data side, since we're talking about the data stuff too, is like you've got to figure out being in a startup and being consultant, all the stuff on your own is really, really, really driven home. Like, what is the good enough solution and what am I willing to pay for it? 
yeah. right? Because I am, I mean, I'm an engineer geologist, right? Like I love going down in the weeds and sure. plant and rolling around in the grass and all this other stuff, right? But the thing at the end of the day, what I usually teach in my classes now is like, look, look at what your kind of your salary and your bonuses are, that however much you make a year, times that by two, divide that by 2,000, about 2,000 working hours in a year. Yeah. And it's like, don't look at it as like what you're worth. That's what you cost the company. Right. Okay. So take that number, divide it by 2,000. That's what you cost the company every hour of your time. Now take all these little menial tasks or whatever like that. And maybe it only takes 15 minutes a day or five minutes a day. And like, that's the number that you have to beat, right? Because yep. it's not mm -hmm. even so much, a lot of this is, yeah, it's productivity, but it's really expense, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it makes my, if you say, hey, this is going to save me 15 minutes a day, it's going to cost us 10 grand. You know, like, oh, well, that doesn't seem worth it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, well, it's going to save me 15 minutes a day. I, that 15 minutes a day costs you 15 grand over the year, yeah. right? This thing is 10 grand. It's going to save you five. It's going to save the company $5,000. That's a totally different conversation, totally different conversation. Yeah. And it's the exact same conversation, right? Like mm -hmm. you're actually approaching with numbers, real numbers. Yeah. Right? Well, it's also the psychology of loss, right? Like people, yeah, people humans are loss hundred. aversion. Uh, all day long versus yeah. gain, right? Well, it's thinking a, uh, fast and slow, right? Yeah. Uh, was it Kahneman? We won the Nobel Prize for it, yeah. right? People hate losing twice as much Watch as they you. love winning. Mm -hmm. That is a very, like, and I think it's a consultant and everything else too. There's another thing I learned really quickly is it's easier it's easier to give too high a price and roll back yep. than give, than like You're never low ball. Back. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you never get it back. People price, don't like prices going up. Price anchoring is a very real thing. Yeah. Everybody, if you don't know what that is, Google it. But the first price that's out there is what everybody will basically start negotiating off yeah. of. So if it's higher than what you want, guess what? You might negotiate down to what you want anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah. Mem and membership has its benefits mm -hmm. too. You know, a lot of it, like we, we, we've got, we've, I've got a handful of clients in Midland and Houston and Denver that have been super loyal to us. They, they pay fast or easy to work yep. with. Dude, we're going to cut them deals all day long. Like yeah. I was talking to a shop here in town, like that we've been collaborating with on the data side for a couple of years and they need me to do some stuff. It's like, dude, it's like, I was like, this is what I charge. Like I'll do it for 50%. I like, this is essentially just the flight and a little bit of time. It's like, and if that's too much, just let me know. Yeah. You know, cause the other thing too, is a lot of this stuff is negotiated. A lot of people don't realize, I probably shouldn't say this, but whatever. Like a lot of people don't realize <laughs> like you can negotiate a lot of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like the uh, world is not as black and white <clears throat> as you think it is. Very, yeah, very man, Colin was talking about it when I was on Twitter or something the other day about like, accounts payable and stuff like that. I mean, just like, hey, can I shift my payment two weeks? Cause you know, we need the cash and like, we're, we're gonna pay yeah. you. Like, I mean like, and then, then you have to be good for it. But like, yeah. you know, all these, when you pay and what you pay, you know, those are all negotiable. Yeah. And like, those little favors go a long ways. Like yeah. I've got a, like Henry Resources, one of our big clients. I mean, they've been, we've been doing work for them in a lot of different capacities for a year and a half, maybe two years now. They're awesome. Like I just go up there, grab my, like they call me, like, hey, I need something. It's like, all right. So I'll get, I'll work on it that night, grab my little briefcase, go up there tomorrow morning, you know, get all done. It's like, all right, send you an invoice. They pay within a couple of days, like, boom, we're done. Like, yeah. I love working with those guys. Yeah. Like Endeavor's another one. Love working with them. So easy to work with. They always pay on time. You know, like, yeah. you know, and then also, I think when you get that relationship, that's when you can say, hey, I think you're doing it this way. You should really look at doing right. this. You get more trust and you can be a little hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Blunt, I guess. Yeah. Well, you understand really. the business better at that point. Yeah. That's like, exactly yeah. right, too. Because the thing is, that's why I love doing in-house courses. They're always more expensive. But the thing with that 
is it's effectively a 12 hour interview, right? Yeah. Uh, or for me, my course is like six hours a day. So it's a 12 hour interview to see how I do stuff on the fly. It's also a 12 hour interview for me to kind of see how they do business as well and like what their pinch points are right. and stuff like that too. And it's good all the way around. Like, you know, we've got a lot of shops. A lot of people just call me just trying to get opinions on like yeah. where the market yeah, is yeah. going. I don't really charge for that. There's not really a way to charge for it. <laughs> yeah. But because of that, like, you know, I try to market us as fixers. Right. And we got a finger on the pulse. A lot of things from the data and the consulting side yeah. is that, okay, well, we can start using that network to kind of like get ahead of yeah. the curve a little no. bit. Like provide people value and yeah. be returned. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's literally how Colin built this company. Yeah. yeah. It's tough to, you know, it's tough to pay the bills off of it first. But once you get that kind of mm-hmm. reputation and that network and stuff, that's when the opportunities really start Absolutely. coming in. So. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been, buddy, it's been a haul. Yeah. Like, trust me. It's been like, fun to watch, man. Dude, 2022 yeah, was a I'm shit show. I'm excited, <laughs> I am too. excited for the, the point forward, but I mean. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been, it's been good. I think we're finally, finally, knock on wood, you know, we're finally really settling in. We, yeah. we feel like it, it's no longer, I mean, it's, we're still a really small shop, but it feels more like a company it's rather real, than yeah. a startup. Yeah. 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 Well, when you can, when out, like, when someone like me can observe it, and you can see it like building, yeah. you know, like I see more and more stuff on LinkedIn or wherever. And I see you're at damn near everything I feel like <laughs> yeah. anyway, but yeah. you know, you see more and more other people start talking about it and it's just this boulder rolling down a mountain. Once it getting to the top yeah. of that mountain really sucks. I, yeah. And I agree. Like I've always tried to play the long game, which usually hurts me in the short term. But you know, uh, I think that's really the way to look at it. Like don't, anything it takes two years to do anything that's one thing i've learned like contracts <laughs> we don't really sign anything for less than two years yeah. because the first three months nothing really gets done you know yeah. if you're really good maybe something comes out six months and you have to have a year just to kind of yeah another six months to get the work out there a word out there and another year to just kind of observe mm-hmm. because then you have to see the sales cycle too through yep. vacations and everything yeah. too which is something i had no idea about at all on the operator side so yeah, for those of y'all that are trying to strike deals on data stuff, key, you know, go out there in the summer at the end of the year, and that's when people, the service companies, want to do business because we're a lot of times we're just kind of sitting there waiting for people right. to call us. Yeah, that's, that's when the deal, when the deals are made. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. That's where I'm getting all of our data demos right now in full anticipation when people come back from right. vacation in August. Like, hey, we've been courting you for three months on this. Yeah, you know, like it's time to, you know jitter get off the pot you yeah, know man. like are we going to move forward this not and if you're not it's not that big of a deal yeah just don't don't, wa- t- don't waste my time yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well and i think the other thing is like don't take it personally right you know which is what <laughs> in the past i definitely have taken stuff personally which has helped us and hurt us but you know i think part of it is just like if it's in their business model or yeah. uh their, no, i mean there's all i saw i reposted it on linkedin yesterday and it was from one of the marketing really good marketing groups that of course, I can't remember the name of uh, that I follow, but it was uh, marketed. The point of marketing isn't to force someone to buy the product in the moment. It's to keep the product at top of mind when the buying decision yes. yeah. does come about. And that is so, <laughs> I could go on a whole rant about that, yeah. but we're running out of time. Um, yeah, so, so they got singles and everything. I mean, like, again, yeah. oh, I need furniture. I'm going to go to Mattress Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Because he saves you well, money. Like, I mean, like, right. You know, no, I mean, it's, it's, it literally is about top of mind. And that's why you have seen like, product placement and all of this stuff evolve into marketing over time because it's like all the barstool shit you know it's like they've got all their sponsors sitting out on the desks and at every single thing that they do there is product placement and 
you either some people realize it me being in marketing now i <laughs> i'm over aware of it and yeah. you just see it everywhere but it's fascinating in this like human psychology that, that that's the entire point is well, to keep your company at the top of mind when they think of, when the time comes for that decision to be made i 100 percent agree and that's why that's why sabato's based in midland buddy it is not easy running a data company out of midland texas i mean because there's only about three of us in town that actually work on python i mean not really but like seriously yeah. though Right, and everybody in the the other two are making way more money than my dumbass. <laughs> so, um, you know, but that being said, we're in Midland. So when people are thinking yeah. about data and they're thinking about the Permian, where are the guys, uh, at least it's me and the student yeah. workers or whatever like that, like we're there, right? Yeah. So enough that I had to pull my phone number off our website because that's been like half Four my day. Up. Yeah, I mean, which is good, yeah. you know. I mean, it's good and bad, right? There's right. got to be a balance in there. But yeah, I agree. It's like, that's our like our little save the stripper stickers yeah. has been a big one. I love them. Right? I mean, that has gotten our, we've never even, I don't know if you've known this, we've never shown those actually on social media, not once. Those stickers I'm that have go, gone around. I'm going to go post it. Yeah. When we get off. The, those stickers have gone around all by word of mouth and hand by hand stuff. That's awesome. And that's what's I think is really, and I've always, I've done that purposely to kind yeah. of just see how you could do that versus our little LinkedIn it's post. It's a network effect, well, right? Yeah. It's yeah, you're cool. not going to get canceled in Midland for that, but you no. sure as hell are going to get canceled on LinkedIn. Yeah, dude, some, <laughs> That's yeah. True. Well, and honestly, Maybe like. Maybe I'll post that on my burner account Yeah, on yeah. <laughs> We've had a couple, yeah, we've had, I, I don't know, we've had a couple people get upset about it. I was like, I mean, it's a joke, but yeah, I mean, right. I, frankly, if you, you put get something edgy like that, you're, you're going to get some it people says on one stripper yeah. wells very clearly on there. Yeah. It's just in different sizes. pump jack yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So. All right. I know Bobby's got to bounce here in a minute. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump into the. Lightning round, Lightning speed round, whatever. Oh, go. All right, so just, you know, kind of quick one word answers, I mean, if, if you can do that. Okay, right. yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard for me. What's your, uh, what's your favorite cloud provider? AWS. AWS, yeah. yeah. What's your favorite book? Favorite book? Ooh, I just finished Dune. I finally read it. It's awesome. That's my favorite, like, probably fiction. For nonfiction, I really like uh, Ray Dalio's uh, Principles. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's been a minute since I read it, but I can tell you that was one thing that really changed how I thought about stuff, to be honest. So, you got another one? Yeah. Uh, favorite open source tool, service, product? Python. Yeah. 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 Hands down. <laughs> Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Just yeah. Everything. Yeah. No, exactly. And honestly, I barely I only use like maybe one, two, two yeah. blades on that it's Swiss a, Army knife. A, yeah. It's a <laughs> hammer and a wrench and a, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was telling the intern yesterday because, uh, I've got this loop that I'm using to run through this uh, Python library. And he was like, you mean you don't have to define the loop because it's just mm. four I in yeah, yeah, yeah. this array or whatever. And he, I was like, well, it depends on which library you use, yeah, yeah. like how you want to do it. Yeah. You cannot define it. You can define it. That's the good and the bad of Python is yeah, it's not opinion. It's literally yeah. every possible way you could try and do something. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions is what something you could nerd out about. And I, know the answer to that um rocks and uh, oiling us, yeah rocks but honestly more it's like like date where data stored and like I, I really what i think now is like we've got a war map of everything i know yeah. that exists in the u.s and that is something that i'll go down the weeds like if you're looking for like drill stem tests in fisher county like being able like okay so there's this there's that I know this guy that's got two boxes in his garage. <laughs> I got another guy that's got some yeah. in a storage unit in Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's been really fun for me just because like it's essentially gathering intelligence yeah. on like where stuff is in the business. That's yeah. what I've learned out more often than now. Yeah. So wrap it up. Uh yeah. What's uh the most interesting, like bleeding uh edge tech, you know, out there that you're most interested or excited about? Ooh. 
honestly, like I've been using uh, ChatGPT a lot. I know that's the no, no, it's very popular. Person. But I mean, like it's, it's it's. I think it's also important just you know for every person almost to be you know the thing is showing what the inflection point that is well we're a small shop and i'm not a computer science person like at all and so like just being able to query like little simple stuff and get it to write stuff for me Mm -hmm. has been a total game changer yeah for 20 bucks a month i mean that thing saves me easily a thousand two thousand bucks a month yeah that otherwise i'd have to pay a contractor because i don't have the time to build those scripts that's just the time of that you're paying them yeah not let not the time that you're currently using would be to, wasting yeah, to figure, out, to figure yeah. it out yeah. right like, no exactly so i mean i mean i know that's not like a super sexy answer but honestly no, that's the the biggest one for me right now it's been huge oh no, yeah 100 i think bobby nailed it right it just points to how powerful or step changing of a technology and over six months it in really and how is. ubiquitous that answer has been <laughs> yeah. like six Dude, months in I, like uh, i honestly when i messed around with it the first time was like back in april it's like i've literally called up our partners it's like guys i don't think you really understand like yeah. this is like i mean i don't want to be dramatic but like that i really think that is the the that's going to be a really defining point in yeah. humanity I in agree. the long run i mean it sounds silly could be but good like, or bad too i mean there's yeah, a lot of positive and negative absolutely. implications absolutely of it, but, like, but that was the first time and we've been they've been talking about ai and all the stuff coming happening for decades right. that is the first right. time that everyday people right the average person yeah. got an impact from it right? i was talking to some of these oil and gas libraries where it's all paper like they don't even they barely know how to use spreadsheets a lot of the times right not not quite that bad yeah. but, but like seriously they were going and testing out chat gpt and they've never even heard of spotfire tableau or power <laughs> yeah. BI or anything like that yeah. like that just shows you how deep that penetrated like yeah. i really think i mean i've been joking it's like we're in the star wars era now yeah like it's just a matter of like having a little robot from your own i mean i guess it's already in then, pocket like 90 percent of the people are probably understanding like using it don't even know what an api is and like it's right. gonna be those api integrations behind yeah. the scenes yeah. with, you know llms and chat gpt is just gonna you know yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. If you're not, uh, I forgot where I heard this, but I used to say it's like if you're not standing on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, honestly, I think with the chat GPT, people can poop. I argue with people, I have to argue with people about data stuff and all this stuff all the time. Right. Because everybody wants a perfect solution. There is no perfect solution yeah. out there. Right. And just sitting out there and fighting it out on LinkedIn because, like, oh, it's got this one flaw. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, honestly, if it solves 90, 90% of your problems and it's like, it's boosted my coding speed literally 10x yeah like, i'm and not joking like no, you're a 10x order. engineer right i mean like that's yeah. what they say I mean, like, quite literally like and it comments for you too like, yeah that's the best part about you know, documentation and, 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 and you even got into where like you can like feed your code base I to it and it can that. document you oh, know, yeah like like no it I mean, tells me how crappy my code is all the time yeah, yeah. you know but you like i think right test for you log yeah you know, and like, i think that's like to me that's gonna i really truly think that's gonna be the defining point yeah in humanity in the long run like it sounds so silly but i really truly do i i I very much so relate it to how I felt when we first started using like AOL and AIM as well as like Napster and, you know, torrents and all of that stuff. Like those were like genuine step changes in civilization, right? Like the internet being adopted across the world was a huge yeah. thing that like when you look back at like the world's so much smaller now. Like, right. Well, but you look back and at the like access to information today show, like there's a really famous clip of, you know, Al Roker and, uh, the yeah. show host talking yeah. what what what's an email how do yeah. i how do i send like they're just mocking the shit out of it and yeah. you're like yeah y'all look really great now for the i grew up in a really small town right like i didn't my when i right before i graduated my uncle bought me a, a laptop for for uh undergrad for going to a&m and uh that was the first time 
I graduated in 2007. Like, I didn't even really know what Wi-Fi was then. Yeah. I remember, like, going up to the star. They had a Starbucks at the Weatherford, which was, like, 20 miles away, right? <laughs> next, so I went up there and was like, what time. is this crap? You know, and, like, got it all connected up. Never used Wi-Fi. Really didn't even know what it was. And that was that was 2007. I mean, that's not even yeah. 20 years that's ago. That's awesome because that's, you, you now run a data company. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I know. It's like It's wild, you know, and it's just, I don't know. It's like the pace of everything is so nuts. And, like, I still don't. I mean, y'all know a million more software. Every time I talk to each one, yeah, <laughs> y'all yeah. tell me these tools. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know. They drool coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it's like you know, but it's uh, it's interesting. I think ChatGPT's changed a lot. It, it has for us already. And I think the big thing for me, and that's what we're trying to do, is like that's great and all for digital stuff. But when you go into the physical realm, right. like what we're doing with paper and microfiche and stuff, buddy, there's like it's the Stone Ages. There's yep. almost nobody in that space, yeah, and that's yeah. where we're trying. That's- prime for ai to yeah. automate that right? is where the good that's where the good data sets are yeah. right and the only way to do it is you got to go out there and sling some right raw logs. yeah yeah and it sucks and we've done it a lot but yeah. that being said i'm in decent shape because we yeah. move so much paper <laughs> moving paper <sucks. laughs> yeah. so but yeah i mean it's it's an interesting world i think that's going to be the dark data side of this yeah. is what we're trying to go down i mean i think that's really there's a lot of opportunities there still. We're seeing it. We're just barely looking through yeah. the keyhole now. Yeah. After three years, we're barely starting to look through the keyhole yeah. and see what's possible. And I think all these other digital tools, it's only just going to get better. For sure. So, Brian. Well, awesome. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. We got to have you on again because there's so many other yeah. ways yeah, you got to go down. Thanks. Sorry, like, I kind of like wandered. No, man, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's, no, that's, man, that's, the, that's why that's we had the you idea. On. But appreciate you coming. Where can, where can people find you both for Sabata and for Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, website is just sabata.us. Uh, so don't name yourself after a movie because you can't get the dot com. So uh, S-A-B-A-T-A dot U-S. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Yeah, so add Sabata yeah. Energy Consultants on LinkedIn. And then Brian McDowell just add me on there too. So if you're one of the insurance salesmen, I will not add you back. So just FYI. But, uh, uh, what about your 4K and investment uh, retirement? options what's that oh. i get those no, too yeah. oh the yeah investment yeah. advisors i was like what was like, yeah. we don't have that <laughs> <laughs> who told you that uh no <laughs> um yes yeah, so linkedin is probably the best spot and then i'm usually at most of the conferences too so cool. regional conferences for geology and the engineering side too awesome so yep, yep beautiful well hey guys if you like the show if uh if you're liking what we're doing you want to see more of it please go like and subscribe give us a review um on your on your favorite uh, podcast tool Um, Also, follow DW on YouTube. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Goodbye.